So I'm 40 years old now. Um, I've never read the Bible cover to cover before embarking on this expedition. And I just want to say that because there's part of me that feels like slightly embarrassed to say that, but also realizing speaking to my friends, oh, that's quite normal. It was just something that somebody else read and explained to me. And Mm. I felt no burden whatsoever to dive into it. I felt like I'll just screw it up. So I'll just let somebody else do the interpretation for me. It was crusty, super crusty. And what I mean by that is I grew up in right outside of Detroit in a Northern Baptist church where sometimes the pastor would go over a single verse in an hour long sermon. And I Mm. wanted to pull my eyes out of my head. Friends, welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. I'm super excited that you are joining us midway through a series, a three-part series called Through the Bible. And if you listen to the first one, you'll know that all of this is an invitation to join an exclusive group of like-hearted allies from all around the globe, men and women alike, starting January 1st of 2022 to join us in a Through the Bible experience hosted by Become Good Soil, but using the tools from the Bible Project and their app that walks us through in cohorts collectively, a personal journey through scripture from beginning to end. And as mentioned on episode one of this series, we are creeping up on what will be the 100th Become Good Soil podcast. Just unbelievable. Over about a decade, God has seen fit to offer 100 treasures to this growing global community of those that are very deeply committed to be apprentices of God and his kingdom together. And so in preparation for that episode, my sense was to share your stories. So if God has moved in your life, I would love to hear and I would love your voice to go around the globe to the greater tribe. We've got a tool that is available under the connect section under more at becomegoodsoil.com. And that tool is also available on this episode posting on becomegoodsoil.com. This is episode number 93. Either place you can find a speak pipe tool. You click on it, you offer your name, where you're from, what podcast, God used to impact your life and just a piece of encouragement to the greater tribe out there that would love to hear your voice as a celebration of the 100th episode. And now as we turn to part two of three, I want to begin with Eugene Peterson and his words penned of his introduction to the message translation of the Bible. I've read a lot about the Bible and of everything I've read, Peterson's introductions are the most soulful understanding I've ever encountered of the scriptures. And so as referenced in last podcast, you can find a PDF document on becomegoodsoil.com under more, under the arsenal, where you can download 
this document we located that is a collection of all of the introductions to every book of the Bible written by Eugene Peterson. Let's dive in. Reading is the first thing, just reading the Bible. As we read, we enter a new world of words, and we find ourselves in on a conversation in which God has the first and last words. We soon realize that we are included in the conversation, and we didn't expect this, but this is precisely what generation after generation of Bible readers do find. The Bible is not only written about us, but to us. In these pages, we become insiders to a conversation in which God uses words to form and to bless us, to teach, to guide us, to forgive, and to save us. We aren't used to this. We're used to reading books that explain things, tell us what to do, inspire, or entertain us. But this is different. This is a world of revelation, God revealing to people just like us men and women created in God's image, how God works, what is going on in this world in which we find ourselves. At the same time that God reveals all this, God draws us in by invitation and command to participate in God's working life. We gradually or suddenly realize that we are the insiders in the most significant action of our time as God establishes his grand rule of love and justice on the earth as it is in heaven. Revelation simply means that we are reading something we couldn't have guessed or figured out on our own. Revelation is what makes the Bible unique. It's what sets it apart. And so just reading the Bible and listening to what we read is the first thing. There will be time enough for study later on, but first, it is important simply to read leisurely, thoughtfully. We need to get a feel for the way these stories and songs and prayers and conversations, sermons and visions invite us into this large, large world in which the invisible God is behind and involved in everything visible, and illuminates what it means to live here, really live, not just get across the street. As we read, the longer we read, we begin to get it. We are in conversation with God. We find ourselves listening and answering in matters that most concern us, who we are, where we came from, where we are going, what makes us tick, the texture of the world, the communities we live in, and most of all, the incredible love of God among us, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Through reading the Bible, we see that there is far more to the world, more to us, more to what we see, and more to what we don't see, more to everything than we had ever dreamed, and that this more has to do with God. There are many things that can take place when reading the Bible, but the Bible is given to us in the first place simply to invite us to make ourselves at home in the world of God, God's Word and God's world, and to become familiar with the way God speaks, the way in which we answer Him with our lives.
So I took my daughter, Abigail, as part of her rite of passage to Universal Studios because that's what she wanted to do. And we were on this ride called Race Through New York with Jimmy Fallon. And it's sort of a uh, best you can describe it is it feels like a supernatural voyage through the heart of New York City. And if you've been on the ride and you have little kids, you know it's this roller coaster thing that goes through kind of virtual reality from these sweeping views of the city and around the Statue of Liberty and then down into buildings. And you experience it up close and personal, even with smells that come through kind of the the apparatus. And then you come out and you're back at 30,000 feet. As I prayed about this recording, my sense was, that's what this has been sort of like for me. Walking through the Bible, hosted by Tim and John of the Bible Project, through a, with a fellowship of like-hearted, it was this winsome experience of 30,000 feet to ground level, 30,000 feet to ground level. But I wanted you to hear, not from my perspective, but from the perspective of like-hearted allies that are in different social locations, different stories, different seasons of their life, different relational challenges, different experiences they bring to the scriptures. We all share in common that we dove in January 1st. We're over halfway, but that still keeps us at the very end of the Old Testament. We've yet to break into the New Testament with this group, but I wanted to gather these men and let their kind of feedback on their experience of through the Bible in a year be an invitation for you to go deeper and for many of you to share that with us. So Rob, John Scott, Chris, Ryan, Jay, welcome to this episode of Become Good Soil podcast. Awesome. Great to be here. Such a joy. So guys... Um, starting here, the Bible, it's a thing. I mean, it's a thing. In yeah. my wife's story, it was what you sat on when you got the family picture at First Pres Church. So everybody was the right heights on the altar for the Christmas card. Like everyone has a relationship, um, either near or far with this thing. So before we dive into our specific experience of going cover to cover, like, your experience of the Bible, how did you first experience it? How were you introduced to it? Or how have you engaged with it over time? So I'm holding in my hand here my first Bible that I ever bought um, myself, for myself in 2004. And um, I've, I've never, so I'm 40 years old now. Um, I've never read the Bible cover to cover before embarking on this expedition. And I just want to say that because there's part of me that feels like slightly embarrassed to say that, but also realizing speaking to my friends, oh, that's quite normal. So I just want to say I've entered into this um, journey with these guys having never read the Bible cover to cover. You know, I typically read stories and passages and verses that I'm led to read, stories that connect to the season of life I'm experiencing or out of curiosity where God's leading me, um, which has been really powerful through my life. But as we know, a life with God means that there's always more. So it's been 
such a um, a powerful expedition to have these guides, as Morgan was saying, you know, through the Bible project, in expanding that ceiling, um, in adding more stitches to this wider tapestry. And in my own understanding, I had a limit, which meant I was limited accessing more. And I'll pause there for now, but that's kind of my entry into this. Yeah, it's so good. Data point, uh, six of us, how many of you have ever read through cover to cover before this experience? So I have uh, Chris. Okay but it was crusty, super okay. crusty. And what I mean by that is I grew up in right outside of Detroit in a Northern Baptist church where sometimes the pastor would go over a single verse in an hour long sermon. And I mm. wanted to pull my eyes out of my head. <laughs> and I grew up in Christian schooling and Christian okay. college. And so this way of reading the Bible is so much more refreshing. Mm. It's okay, so alive. six guys, so six guys, two guys have four or six guys, three guys have, three guys haven't. And Chris, interesting, very religious background, lots of exposure to the Bible, lots of exposure to detailed exegesis of it. And your experience was gouge my eyes out, crusty. This was alive, like fascinating. Morgan, if I can talk a little bit on that front too, this is John Scott. Yeah, I grew up in a very religious family. I'm bumping 50 years old right now. And I've read the Bible, I don't know, six to eight times. I'm not even sure. Lost count of it. Mainly RSB, NRSB, New King James. My dad was an elder in the church, deacon, you name it, all the way through. Very religious. Um, not much on the relationship side. So um, my stint with this was when I first saw the invitation from you, quite frankly, it was like, okay, contain the vomit in my mouth. I don't want to do this. I've been there, done that. Um, but, you know, it's Morgan. So I trust Morgan. He's been a great mind. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Maybe this will be different. So I took your, uh, your advice and I'm reading it in the message. Alongside, yes. obviously, all the rest of you, and I am blown away. I feel like this is the first time I've read the Bible. I was just dreading Leviticus and Numbers, and you know, just really dreading it. And yes. I actually loved it. I can say that. So I want to thank you for that because I feel like I've actually just read it for the first time. Wow. Yeah, it's profound, John Scott. It's amazing how the person we are that we bring to the scriptures actually changes what the scriptures are. That's yeah, so good. John Scott, hearing that reaction from you, I'm just aware, Jay, Ryan, you guys have the Catholic roots where exposed to an expert bringing the text to you um, Sunday after Sunday, thoughts on that and how that shapes coming into reading the invitation to go through the Bible. Yeah, so Ryan here, I think in in contrast to that, John Scott, I've uh, I've never read it. Um, I would describe my whole experience as ad hoc. Um, we attended church ad hoc. Um, 
we were Catholic and then we were Methodist, sort of. Um, you know, I've read most of the books of the New Testament, but not them all. And um, and then the Old Testament was kind of hard to understand in either a really deep Bible study where I just felt um, overwhelmed or um, alone, you know, just trying to grit through it. And so to have this invitation with a group of guys um, to find out like the rhythm is it was what, 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 at the most, you know, if they're, if they're smaller uh, chapters, maybe you do four or five. And and if they're bigger, maybe you do three in a day. And so that was very um, reasonable. And so, you know, for me to understand the larger story and the themes, right. To have the Bible project guys insert these videos where they just double click on certain, uh, you know, uh, words that you hear of certain themes, certain topics. It was just eye opening. And then, uh, yeah, I would say it was about the point when we conquered Leviticus and it wasn't that bad. I was <laughs> like, we can do this. You know, I was like, I think we got this. And the next thing you know, it's the halfway mark. And next thing you know, you're, you know, knocking on the door of the New Testament. So thank you for the invitation. It's been very, uh, very doable and it's been light and easy and enjoyable. I think for me, having really only been to Catholic services until I went off to college, it was never required that I pick up the Bible. Mm. I can't recall anyone ever telling me really that there was a value in opening the Bible for myself. Now, of course, well, I don't know that everybody would know this, but I did feel like as a Catholic family, it was important for us to have a big white Catholic Bible with the gold lettering and all the fancy pictures. And I can recall as a kid going through one of these big elaborate Bibles and seeing the pictures of Solomon, you know, with the two, with the two mothers and, um, and the the pictures of Moses and the 10 commandments. And I, I know that God was speaking to me even then, but then it wasn't until I went to college and I promised my father that I would go to church when I went off to college. And it just so happened that closest church to me was a Baptist church and I didn't know what to expect. And I was told by my friends to bring my own Bible. And for the very first time, he expected me to open my Bible and he read a passage. And I remember it just jumping off the page at me. So having that experience began to open my mind and my heart and and it gave me courage to believe that this huge intimidating piece of literature was something that maybe I could chew on and get something out of because prior to that it was just something that somebody else read and explained to me and mm-hmm. I felt no burden whatsoever to dive into it I felt like I'll just screw it up so I'll just let somebody else do the interpretation for me yeah, it's fascinating that the themes that come through is the theme of religious, right? Where mm-hmm. it just feels dry or crusty or inaccessible. And then the theme of ad hoc, where it feels very piecemeal and you're not experiencing these actual profound themes that carry the whole way through the scriptures that are meant to carry through our life. And then it also, I, I just appreciate this other theme I'm hearing is kind of outsourcing 
to other people to interpret the Bible for me, right? Like it's on the leader to actually shape my spiritual formation rather than me as the son to participate with God. I can resonate with all those growing up, participating in a Catholic church, and then coming into a very real vibrant relationship with God in a kind of Presbyterian evangelical environment. And then it was very ad hoc. And then I sat down for the first time in my own story, cover to cover, when I was uh, traveling through Europe as a student with a backpack and a low budget and the, the scripture is all I had. And God used it to just kind of orient me to this text. But in it, similar to a lot of your themes that you guys have named, I had a Chuck Swindoll Living Insights Study Bible. I have no idea what that meant. My mom sent it to me because I knew she knows Bibles. She sends me this Bible. And what was fascinating is every several chapters, there was like a little paragraph of explanation. And to some of your emphasis, what you guys said of like, there was somebody guiding the process, someone keeping me in the big ideas, someone carrying the momentum. So I didn't get lost in things that were really confusing. And so it was a huge value to go in under the leadership of Tim and John. What about the value of doing this as a shared experience? Because anyone can sign up for the Bible project. Anyone can go through the Bible, but we chose to engage it day by day through an app that the Bible Bible Project offers for free as a as a private community where we can see each other track with each other's progress. We know what each person's doing each day in the readings and the videos. And then there's a chat room where we can post comments and comment on people's comments. I'm curious that dimension of going through the Bible, not only under the leadership of the Bible Project, but also as a shared fellowship. What was that like for you? There's a statement that keeps popping into my head whenever I get a day or two behind, and that's, this is the easiest it will ever be to go through the Bible. Mm. So stay with it. Like, I don't have a whole lot of respect for the term accountability. In my experience, what an accountability group, the fruit that it has produced in the past, but this level of accountability and being able to go step by step with other men, seeing each other's comments it's a very, very positive, very life-giving peer pressure. Mm. So, Jay, can yeah, you yeah. kind of call out maybe an example of a comment that helped carry you through it where you went, oh, wow, that's worth staying in this with a group of guys? Ooh. Um, yes. Okay. So, I mean, we're obviously living in a very confusing time right now. Very difficult time. So. Uh, when you read through the book of Jeremiah or Ezekiel or the Psalms and you hear that what we are feeling, what my human heart is feeling is not new. And then that another man will say, hey, in light of the headline today, this is what's jumped out at me. So even without getting on the phone with another one of these 18 men, there's a place that God says you're connecting with this guy's heart and with Ezekiel's heart all at the same time. Mm. And I don't want to miss out on that because one of the great uh, difficulties in the season that we're in is feeling alone. And I don't feel alone when I'm doing yeah, that's this. Huge. Yeah. Mm. That's huge. That is huge, Jay. I mean, um, I'm in New Zealand here. I feel very connected 
even though you know I'm on a very different continent uh, to you men. So kind of just knowing that you guys are there gives me the motivation to keep reading each day. There's something powerful, isn't there? So very uh, right about going through this shared adventure and expedition. You know, it feels more like an adventure. It feels an expedition. It feels very visceral and tangible to um, A, be reading through these epic stories, but also in a fellowship right now, today, hearing like your perspectives, which widen my aperture. Like I wouldn't have received that if I was doing it on my own. So I feel like for me, you guys are like calling me further up and further in. That's what it feels like. Mm. That's what it feels like. Ryan, you wrote something a couple of days ago about checking out Psalm 40 in the Passion Version. And I would have never, I would have just gone about my day without that comment. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, whoa, now I have a richness and grace for myself if I don't feel like reading for 10 minutes. I'm at least going to read the comments because (laughs) there's often so much gold that then it compels my heart to say, okay, actually I'm missing something if I don't read this, or maybe I read it in a different version. It's just been so wonderful. Yeah, Rob, what what resonates with me is the way you called it a, a, a story and approaching it as what this is God's story, the way he wants to tell it. It certainly feels like, what is this story we're caught up in? And that's just very different then I have to read the Bible and try to slug it out. Yeah. Right. And, and Jay, with what you were saying before, um, you know, to see guys come in and and come out over time, like, you know, I've been two days behind and then I go on vacation and I've been six days behind. I would recommend don't break four or five because then it just kind of, you know, piles on, but to, to know guys are on, vacation with their families, right? To know that, you know, we're all spread out over the world on this journey and you come in, you come out. And, you know, Morgan, uh, to your point on the on the questions, I love how at the end, the question is, what's the one thing God is telling you? Yes. And I just think that's a beautiful way to ask the question. And what I've noticed is like the thing that jumps off the page to me or when my heart leaps out on something like, it's not like we're all thinking that as I was expecting. Yes. Right. And so it's the unique mm-hmm. expression of God in us. And then it's this, this tapestry when we all come together. And, um, and so I get a lot more out of it, um, getting everyone's perspectives. Morgan, I'd like to add on that front too, because it's, it's through the Bible project, them giving um, like a summary per each um, book in the Bible plus the context behind it, plus themes that are in each book that tend to be more prevalent than other themes, has really helped pull the whole Bible together. Whereas I I read it, you know, like Ryan said, like ad hoc and, or I viewed it like a puzzle. And every book was like a different puzzle piece made up of smaller puzzle pieces. Right. And I was never able to pull it all together. And through the videos and through watching how 
other people respond and what they see or hear from the Holy Spirit, it's made the Bible real Mm -hmm. and it's made it practical for living today versus these one-off cliche verses that, you know, we've all heard that truly aren't helpful to me. They're not, but now they're different because you have context through the Bible project, which I wish, I wish I had known this 40 years ago. I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been lost in the wilderness as long as I've been. So yeah, it's pulling. I feel like I have the entire puzzle now and putting the pieces together yes. through the chatting together, through the videos, and then um, through reading it in a different version than I've always read it in. Mm-hmm. And John Scott, what I appreciate is you shared earlier, like six to eight times you've been okay. through the whole Bible. And so more doesn't equal better, right? But right. you're describing engaging with the spirit and fusing it with life, seeing the perspective of other people. And like you said, constantly pulling back the themes to understand that the, the, they're not just pieces of a puzzle, but it's actually this brilliant tapestry that's a story. Like, And I so appreciate how you said it's operational. The whole point is it has to be practical. As I've shared before, Peterson says, if it's not practical, it's not biblical. But if it's not biblical, it's not practical. And that's just a real winsome on-ramp. Mm. I think John Scott and Ryan, um, what was really interesting um, from you guys talking just then was just like, you're more in the plot of the stories, I find. So you've got the Bible project from this angle. You've got a community of men traveling with you from this angle. You've got your journey with God through it. There's a lot more pieces and color that arrive so like i've started to feel more with those characters that are going through something so my empathy my appreciation my wonder has just sort of expanded um, through this experience it's been interesting to me the number of questions that get posted in the comments you know like like we're asking we're sharing the question for others we don't have all the answers and that's okay. And so just the, the questions that we're being led to ask has been really helpful. And then um, on the videos, like we're going through Daniel right now, before you start reading, you get a five minute video where the Bible project guys etch it all out in a visual and auditory unique kind of way. And so it's like, you have your, your briefing, you have your situational awareness, right? And then and then you go through it. And now I'm like, I know what to look for in the story, the pivots, the turning points. Whereas before it's like, you know, like John says, you arrive to a movie 20 minutes late and you have no idea what's going on, right? Right. Because there's no, th- there wasn't any through line before, right? Or now there's this through line where you kind of know what to expect. And like you said, Ryan, what to look for. I just appreciate, Jay, your comments of how many times I've set out to read the Bible cover to cover and how many years it hadn't worked. Mm -hmm. I've only done it one time successfully, but I was so energized, as you said, Rob, by the layers of engagement that constantly carry this through line of, I'm very curious where we're headed. And as you said, Ryan, like the portion that it requires, like at a minimum, it's kind of 15 minutes a day. 
I, I generally find that I give it 30 minutes a day because there's the reading, there's the praying, there's the reflecting or journaling. But if it was more than 30 minutes a day, I couldn't do it. But there, there's a sweet spot of it's just enough to require something of me, but not so much that I can't orient my days around it, even though none of us are living in ordinary days. A couple of you guys mentioned the videos. Let's go into the videos a bit, because as you said, I think most listeners are probably familiar with a Bible Project video, but in case you're not, it began with these just brilliant five-minute synopsis of different books of the Bible in visual format, where Tim and John would walk through, and they're biblical scholars, but they make it very accessible. And from books of the Bible, they went on to themes in the Bible and patterns in the Bible. And there's not a video for every day. I think one day there probably will be. But right now, there's there's a video maybe every four days or so. I'm curious, any particular experiences any of you had with a particular video through this process that now being removed from it, you go boy, that really shaped me and my understanding of God and his kingdom. Well, just a couple of days ago, there was one uh, called Exile uh, before we began reading Ezra chapter four. And the word exile has just been brilliantly highlighted to me over the last two years. And the video opens, it's, it's very dark. It's almost like there are people who have a candle in front of their faces at nighttime. And it sets the tone for the way that my heart feels living apart from God. I mean, quite frankly, it gives words to all of the longings of my heart. I don't exactly know where home is, but I know that where I am is not home. And I know that the questions that I have, I know that the motivations of my heart are coming from something deep inside me that God planted there. And that my story, while it's my story, thousands have felt it in the past. Yes. They felt it in Babylon. They felt it in Assyria. They felt it under Persia. They felt it under the Roman Empire. When can we go home? Mm. And I feel that so deeply right now. Uh, so. Yeah. Mm. Moved me hugely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, Jay. That was the one that really got me thinking. It resonated. I'd never really heard it described that way before. And, you know, it just, for me, it clicked of like, right, to be not at home, to be lost, to be in darkness, to be alone, to have that feeling of this is not how it should be. And then the imagery of that video with like the wind and the desolation and showing like Babylon in the background, it's like a, a maze or a matrix. And then Jesus had to come and set things right. And we can be at home with him wherever we are. And, and that's just, you know, um, a radical and comforting idea that no matter the circumstance, you know, we can, we can feel at home whenever we're centered and in union with God. Um, and so that's something I've been exploring. But yeah, that was the one that was the most profound for me as well. Mm. So for me, this verse in Psalm 27 is, hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful, answer me. But instead, they pull back the curtain and they say Shema. And they do 
as you guys know, a, a word series on listening. And I just want to read this part because it's even the intro to the video. It says, is hearing and listening the same thing? Mm. In this video, discover how sound entering your eardrums isn't synonymous with listening, at least from a biblical perspective. The video in this first one of our word study series is a six-part exploration of the ancient biblical prayer called the Shema. Mm. And so it's some, I think these videos are remedial enough that my kids can watch them and get mm. something out of them. And yet they're deep enough mm. that I learned something in the context of a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a similar experience related to that, Chris, with I've always reflected on Solomon's life of a wise and discerning heart, and I've always sought that. But the translation that those guys offered was actually a God-listening heart. And wise and discerning feels like do the right thing, follow the rules, kind of get your shit together. Whereas a God listening heart is a posture of sonship, student, leaning in. It requires, it's a dependency upon something greater than me. And so, yeah, some of the word studies are profound to me as well. Another one that stood out was explaining wisdom. I always had this framework of wisdom kind of being structural and there's a way things work and that's very separate from spirit and living and breathing life of God. But in one of the videos, they break down the original language and they use this imagery of this like golden thread. If you guys remember it in Mm -hmm. wisdom touches all these things that are seemingly human, right? On a human landscape and the power of wisdom to work supernaturally, weave. It's a, it's actually a golden thread that's weaving through all of humanity. And after I watched that video, I just turned around to my world, to my children's schools, and to my work in the world and all the men entrusted in my care. And I could see this golden thread of, of the life of God inhabiting many and much, and then dark places where the thread had been removed or not welcome. And so their word studies put to imagery have somehow seeded in my heart in ways where just kind of a, a biblical exegesis in a, in a Bible study I've done in the past just haven't stuck. Mm. Yeah, well said. You know, we've encountered stories that we didn't expect to encounter, themes we didn't expect to encounter, or a particular verse in the context of the whole. So rather than the ad hoc, you know, kind of Bible answer man, it was the story of, of, of this idea or person or thing where we just go, oh, wow, now I see. I'd love to hear a highlight of something that stood out to you particularly where you felt like the spirit was ministering to your soul. The one that comes straight to me is Proverbs, actually. So three Proverbs... God was activating something new of the lover within me. I was sensing a connection between wisdom and the nurturing, refreshing, comforting mother heart of God. Mm. So I like to mix up reading and listening to the Bible sessions. So in this case, going through when we were going through Proverbs, I was listening to it. And my soul was being noticeably refreshed and nurtured and comforted as wisdom was entering into my body in the same way as being in nature and beauty. So God appeared to be mothering me through wisdom. 
And this, for me, was a, a new category for how God was wanting to speak to me. The one theme that God's been really speaking to me through, and Ryan and I have talked about this a bit, is the rinse, wash, repeat, stemming from generational sins. Hmm. And to me, it's shocking seeing it's the same story today, really, as it was back, you know, in the Babylonian times. It's the same story. And we keep repeating it time and time again. And I mean, I feel like my forehead is totally bashed in from banging it on the brick wall. <laughs> and I keep hearing the same theme for me, you know, in my life through these videos and through reading it, how we're reading it is, unless you know intimately your generational line, your false self, it's going to be pretty rough. And until you can break that chain in your family or at least educate them on what it even means, because the church really doesn't teach this, but come to know that false self and it's painful, but come to know it, come to know what's in your family line to the best of your ability, and then let your kids know so that they don't repeat the same things that the Israelites did that we're still doing today. Hmm. So that gener, I call it ginseng that I just keep hearing throughout every book that we're reading and just makes it more important to, you know, really do that excavation that you've always taught and become good soil, how deeply important that piece is. No one wants to do it, but if you want to be healed, you've got to be excavated. That's so good. So well said. I would say for me, it's been the Psalms every day. It ends with just one Psalm. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been refreshing. Some are obviously, you know, praising God and, and joyous of the victory. Others are very, you know, lamenting and, um, and, and you feel that sorrow. And so to just, um, you know, have that weaved in as a thread along the whole journey has just been very refreshing for me. So I can get on board with Jesus, friend, lover, kind, compassionate, going after the heart. But I grew up with this, God is going to get me back. Mm. It's the fire and brimstone. Don't sin or else. And this God is different, even though it's Old Testament, even though it's Old Covenant. We, we've, we've riffed on that a little bit, even in this, this group of men. And, and I love God. I think God comes out. He really does go after the heart of men in the Old Testament, in these stories. And, and I think that I, that was lost for me in the past. He, yeah. He's less of a distant father. He's closer. Yeah, and it's amazing, Chris, how this fresh reading of it, has illuminated to me that theme is recovered again and again and again, right? There's brutality and there's just uh, such darkness and things I do not understand, right? Like you said, Ryan, I have more questions than answers after this thorough reading. But what I've noticed is the prevailing themes of God's grace, God acting, his intervening, his longing for us to turn, you know, that when we um, choose faith 
selflessness. He remains faithful because he doesn't compromise his nature. And to see those prevailing themes of who he is has been so powerful. Um, so speaking of prevailing themes, it, it I'm sure all of our listeners know that the men that I would choose to share this experience with are all men that are consenting to the deep work, as you said, John's God of excavation. We are men who have set our hearts on pilgrimage. We have allowed the theme of masculine initiation to be the centerpiece of our life and story, to be the overarching narrative. We want to become the kinds of sons and students and warriors, the kinds of kings to whom God is glad to entrust the care of his kingdom. And that's what our life is about. Whatever our expression is geographically and vocationally, that's what we're about. So I'm so curious your reading through the Bible, under Bible Project, and as a fellowship. Um, what did you notice? What's something that stood out in this theme that we talk a lot about of excavating over building, of choosing the lowest seat, of the table, of the slow and steady wins the race, right? Of there are no shortcuts, wisdom's long view, a father-centered view of reality, all these predominant themes of masculine initiation. Was there anything that particularly stood out for you? And I'll launch that question with an observation for me. I confess, as I've shared in the comments, I have a tendency to oversimplify Bible people, allow them to be more perfect and true, and therefore indict myself as a failure or less than or not good enough. And I make them a book of exceptions rather than examples. And the thoroughness of the invitation to read through the Bible is I've seen the complexity of characters. And it's actually really been really comforting. You know, and it's easy to look at like a David where he's heroic, but then there's the whole Bathsheba thing. Again and again, it's man after man that has a heart for God, but you see these fatal flaws. And even a guy like Solomon, I've always looked at Solomon as the wisest of them all, minus Jesus, who was fully God and fully man. Solomon was the wisest of the wise. But to see that ultimately in the end, he never pass through his initiation in that place of deep, secure attachment with God, he never resolved his need for comfort and the ache, as you had said, Jay, to find home. He was addicted to women. He was enthralled by their beauty. And he never moved through the allure of the woman to get to the source of beauty. He had 700 wives. And ultimately, the wisest of the wise he ended up bringing great harm to many entrusted to his care. And I confess, like at first, the complexity of these characters was really hard for me. But in the end, it was actually really comforting because it gives me permission to welcome God into the complexity of my life and to understand my life is unfinished and under renovation. And that's not just work harder, try harder, but that's receive love and know that I'm right on time with God. And there's more, but that's not pressure, that's promise. So how about for you guys, what themes did you see from the message and mission of becoming a king? 
you know, I think of Esther, who we've we've just gone through the book right. of, and I think of Mordecai and Haman. I mean, goodness me, what a case study those two. Hmm. I'm like, but it but it piques my interest. I was saying to my wife yesterday, I was like, I really want to know about their upbringing. I really want to know what happened in their life because we all know that each had power and um, each dealt with it very differently. They were, they both had very different orientations and it was just so good to see that, to see tangibly what we're going after as a fellowship. You know, we want to become the kind of man that can be entrusted with the things that God wants to entrust us with and do good with that and handle it well with care and love and wisdom. So I was really encouraged and um, on the edge of my seat with that story this time around with mm-hmm. you men reading Esther. Morgan, I think one of the things that you've highlighted uh, to many of us who've been walking with you is that discipleship is driven by the questions. And what I have been having a conversation with God about over the last year or two is about how to hear his voice. He posed this idea to me. He says, how many times have you had a question rise in your heart about me or the Bible? And I was like, well, my entire life. And he kind of asked me, well, who do you attribute those questions to? And I was like, well, they were my questions. And I felt like finding the answer was going to be too difficult or that you were too di- you were inaccessible or you were the one that uh, would refuse my engagement. And he kind of turned it around and he said, well, have you considered that those questions were actually my voice planted inside your soul? And they were my invitation mm-hmm. for you to hunt them out. And I have been really thinking about this, that discipleship is driven by the questions. And what if one day, of course, salvation, the ability to enter into the eternal presence of God comes only by the blood of Christ. But what if as a part of that, as a part of God's defense of his, of his goodness and his kindness, he were to allow all the times throughout our story where we had a question that we either ignored or we answered for ourselves and we didn't take it to him, what if he allowed all of those to come back? All of those moments throughout the course of our life when we were two and three and five and eight and nine and 10 and 17 and 36 and when we got married and we had our kids and we had that opportunity to, as the prodigal son, come home, come to our senses and go home and we just ignored it. That's what reading the scripture, that's what I see as I read the, the whole overarching story of the scripture is people having a question that should have been so obvious to them and them not engaging the question, yeah. either because they were scared or they were listening to somebody else's voice. And it's so consistent with Jesus, whose teaching primarily came out of questions. Right. Yeah, that's well said. Reading these characters in the Bible, these me's, there's parts of me in every one of them. Uh, it's just more excavation. Yeah. It's just more excavation. And I think of the men like Samson, for example, who didn't excavate. Yes. 
and and literally crushed his life. And yet I, I, I grew up thinking from a biblical perspective, what was taught to me was Samson was this, this wonderful, amazing man. But I think the Bible project does a good job and it mirrors what you've taught Morgan, Morgan quite a bit is that that's just the exterior. Right. There's nothing interior that was going on for him as a man. And so it's a great mirror for me to say, okay, whoa, where, where, where do I need to get right with my arrogance or with my strength that's relying on myself? So there's just so much, you say this well, Morgan, too, the kingdom is always on time. So there's just always more. There's always more to excavate. Yeah, I'm haunted by the words of Jesus that just resonate with what you share, Chris. Is where it says, Jesus causes the rising and falling of kingdoms. He causes the rising and falling. And you know, when his heart is good and he's, he's a warrior after love, there is often the necessity for the falling of kingdoms. And it's just haunting in the scriptures how kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. And there is so much turning. For every turning towards God, there's a turning away from God, right? And the generation that walks with God, and then we find the sons and daughters don't walk with God. And then their children do walk with God. And there's just this um, this vulnerability, I should say, because there is a way things work, and there's wisdom's long view. And then there's this vulnerability of we don't get to be God. But back to what a few of you illuminated, when we know that that we are we are in good hands when we are in God's kingdom, then we don't need to be God. And that is a big shift. And it even shifts in how we read the scriptures. So it's fascinating to be able to move through these stories, go from ground level to 15,000 feet and back again with the posture of um, there's a father at the center of reality, and he's orchestrating this recovery and restoration of all things. And it, it leaves me very hopeful. We're launching January 1st of 2022. All BGS subscribers, podcast listeners around the globe are welcome. It's free. We'll have small cohorts facilitated by BGS alumni. We'll have men and women participating in this adventure. And the deadline to register is November 22nd. For this part two of our three podcasts through the Bible series, guys, any final words of counsel? I just want to read a um, conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo. A couple of favorite little characters there that we all uh, know and love very well. In The Hobbit, Gandalf says to Bilbo, you'll have a tale or two to tell when you come back. And Bilbo says, you can promise that I'll come back, right? And Gandalf's like, no, but if you do, you won't be the same. So I just want to encourage people um, that this experience, you, you won't return the same as you enter in. Your operating system will, will receive an upgrade. Your ceiling will be expanded. You will experience rebirths in areas that may have been forgotten, lost, or stolen. So I just want to encourage you with that. I think on a very practical level, to remember that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what I believe about reading the scripture actually reveals what I believe about its 
its value, its worth. Uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of questions and agreements that are tied to this particular practice or discipline. And until I engage it, um, those questions will go unanswered. For me, it's been helpful to read out of my own Bible and, and mark it up with a pen and with a pencil. And the first time you're going through it, I've had to just lower the bar. There are some days, like I went off for two weeks on mission and I literally missed like 14 days. And I was like, oh, I've been here before. I'm about to fail. And so I just put it on the message, which was the easiest to digest. And I just listened to it. So mm -hmm. I just kept setting the bar at, to the level that allowed it to be accessible to me. And by taking That's the right. pressure off, um, it has been so helpful. The goal is just to playfully walk through it with him the first time. And then the next time I'll get more out of it. Mm, yeah, but well I'm getting said, a ton yeah. out of it, way more out of it than I thought, just by saying, I'm just going to do it. Perfectionists can raise the bar. And there's there's some guys that started with us that that kind of bailed. And I know most of them, it was because they got behind and it felt like too much. And the permission to try easy. And as you said, Jay, where do you set the bar that it's attainable in your ordinary kind of everyday life? And so I think one very practical piece is you will get behind as far as a daily reading. It's seven days a week. And I wish it was designed for six days a week to have just kind of even a Sabbath from the everyday. But there's two ways to approach it, I think, that are healthy to maintain. And one is the grace to skip over some sections and say, okay, I, I, I missed those six days, but I want to keep going with, with this fellowship. And the other is a sort of binge, as you said, of just, <laughs> I'm going to put the audio on and I've got a, an hour long drive and I'm going to listen to it. And I think either way is a posture of grace is bless the portion of this is not the only time I'm going to be in the Bible. I want to make it a way of living and I want to make it accessible. So that's very well said. And I agree with that. Morgan, through the becoming a king lens, I want to become the kind of man who has read it at least once. And then more than that, I want to be the kind of man that's filled with the wisdom and just the strength of, of God's word. And so this has been very helpful a final suggestion for people would just be um, I have found it very interesting to look at which characters are consented and rooted and which ones mm. aren't. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, that's only kind of clicked uh, more recently. And so I'm curious to see how that theme unfolds or that lens or that filter, you know, um, as we keep going, but that's just very revealing, you know, and I think that might be what God is up to with some of these books where it's not obvious, like what, wait, what was the point of that exactly? Um, and yeah. so I, I found that very helpful. Good, Ryan. Really good. The question I would ask is what's your motive for doing this? And if your motive is to grind away and to try and get through the entire thing, punt mm -hmm. and find another way to connect with God. Cause there's a myriad of mm -hmm. other ways even in supplement to doing this, that I hope that you are doing, connecting through nature or other things. And then finally, I would say you're doing a lot better than you think you are. And it's a lot less about you than you think it is. Yeah, Chris, I, I would uh, say the same thing. I was going to say, if you are doing it from a religious, check the box off 
grind through it. Yeah, punt. Give him permission over your eyes and your ears and your mind to interpret what you're reading through his lens and not your own. And let his spiritual you know, guidance lead you to a technicolor way of looking at life and hearing it from his perspective. It's been extremely helpful for me versus me in my type A-ness trying to drive through things and check off the box. And for type A guys, put on the light and easy yoke. If you get behind, it's okay. Like Jay said, there's a, you can listen to it in your car to catch up. You don't have to be perfect. It is a mosaic that will come to life if you stick with it and you can stick with it. It's not that difficult. Um, but you'll, you'll be glad you did it. Guys, it's so helpful to see and hear your perspective. And to all of our friends listening, I hope one of the overarching themes you're experiencing, even through this episode, is there's power that comes from not doing it alone. That there's power that comes from a fellowship. I just know, uh, for example, I, I've turned off most alerts in my world. I don't do notifications. I'm simplifying but I have notifications for everyone's comments from our group, from the Bible Project. Because when I see an alert that somebody is engaged in the scriptures, in this fellowship, and is writing comments, there is something that energizes me. There's something that gives me hope. It's almost like it, when I'm down, I know there's another man offering strength on my behalf. And some of you guys in, in other nations, it happens in the craziest times of the day because your morning is our evening, <laughs> right? And so there's just this energy that moves about the kingdom that you know, like you're not alone and you don't have to make it happen, that there's other people that want to carry the weight with you and shoulder it and lock shields with you. So it's deeply encouraging. As we come to a close for this episode and this invitation, I want to close with an introduction of the New Testament that was penned by Eugene Peterson. He has brilliant guidance book by book in a very similar way to the Bible Project, just to give this very poignant, curated, and distilled, heart-centered invitation into each book. And this is what he says of the New Testament. The arrival of Jesus signaled the beginning of a new era. God entered history in a personal way and made it unmistakably clear that he is on our side, doing everything possible to save us. It was all presented and worked out in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It was and is hard to believe, seemingly too good to be true. But one by one, men and women did believe it. They believed Jesus was God alive among them and for them. And soon they would realize that he also lived in them. To their great surprise, they found themselves living in a world where God called all the shots. He had the first word on everything. He had the last word on everything. That meant that everything, quite literally everything, had to be recentered, reimagined, and rethought. They went at it with immense gusto. 
They told stories of Jesus and arranged his teaching in memorable form. They wrote letters. They sang songs. They prayed. One of them wrote an extraordinary poem based on holy visions. There was no apparent organization to any of this. It was all more or less spontaneous and to the eye of the casual observer, haphazard. Over the course of about 50 years, these writings added up to what would later be compiled by the followers of Jesus and designated the New Testament. Three kinds of writing, eyewitness stories, personal letters, and visionary poem make up the book. Five stories, 21 letters, and one poem. In the course of this writing and reading, collecting and arranging with no one apparently in charge, the early Christians whose lives were being changed and shaped by what they were reading arrived at the conviction that there was in fact someone in charge. God's Holy Spirit was behind and in it all. In retrospect, they could see that it was not at all random or haphazard, that every word worked with every other word, and that all the separate documents worked in intricate harmony. There was nothing accidental in all of this, nothing mere circumstantial. They were bold to call what had been written God's word and trusted their lives to it. Most of its readers since have been similarly convinced. A striking feature in all this writing is that it was done in the street language of the day. Peterson concludes with these words, in the midst of doing this work, I realized that I had been translating the Bible into everyday street language all of my vocational life. For 35 years as a pastor, I stood at the border between two languages, biblical Greek and everyday English, acting as a translator, providing the right phrases, getting the right words so that men and women to whom I was pastor could find their way around and get along in this world where God has spoken so decisively and clearly in Jesus. I did it from the pulpit and in the kitchen, in hospitals and restaurants, on parking lots and at picnics, always looking for an English way to make the biblical text relevant to the conditions of the people. Friends, the invitation of the Bible Project is to make the gospel accessible and relevant and practical in our everyday life. And the invitation to become good soil is to share that with a fellowship of the like-hearted few, to take an adventure, to go on a quest, to enter in the deep mystery in the space where God is courting the hearts of his people, where God is shepherding us back, where he's saying there's a way to recover life as it was meant to be. And so thank you for tuning into this episode. And thanks to my friends from around the globe, you five courageous men and the many other that are traveling with us in this year experience. Friends, this is a rare invitation. I would invite you to say yes, to join us, becomegoodsoil.com slash Bible, you can find what you need to take the next step. And a reminder, your story for the 100th episode, go to connect at becomegoodsoil.com. We'd love to hear your voice. Finally, before you go about other things, as always, we have a pause. What stood out for you from the stories of these five men today? What is the Holy Spirit inviting you not to miss? Let your pace align with the pace of God, the portion of God right here and right now 
for this sacred pause. Enjoy, and I look forward to being together with you on another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast.